0: Welcome to Faithful Innovation. I'm Tina Jason. I love learning about the way God's love motivates how people serve the world. Hearing authentic personal stories deepens my understanding of how God transforms regular work and everyday encounters into acts of grace. Join me as I seek out ordinary people in cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural places who are doing extraordinary things. The goal, to inspire a wholesome expression of faith in your life, ministry, or business. Happy New Year as we begin 2019. Two years ago, the vision for this podcast was just beginning to take shape, and now here we are. Thanks so much for joining me. My guest today is Judy Schmidt, a friend from graduate school who's been instrumental in starting several endeavors that have blessed the lives of many people in her hometown of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. By profession, Judy was an occupational therapist, and her love for God comes through in everything she does. I know you're going to hear it. Judy, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. So to get started, would you tell us about your faith background growing up? I would love to. I grew up in a very tiny community,
1: Hubbleton, Wisconsin. Uh, We used to joke population 53. We had a little country church that was just on the edge of our, our little community, and that was where I went to Sunday school, was confirmed, eventually was married. But that little country church played a vital role in my life. It was just a a very humble little building. It had 16 pews, no running water. There was an outhouse out back, but that was my church home, and that's where I came to know so much about Jesus and his love for us and his love for others.
0: It's amazing how God works and even... You know, when you talk about a small church and humble beginnings, the spiritual formation that happened in you in that place that has taken you on the road that you've been on. One of the things that you had been working on when we first met was a ministry called Buckets of Love. Could you describe the experiences that you've had along the way and how those have shaped how you serve other people and then describe what you're doing now?
1: I would love to buckets of love that you mentioned was actually the result of another ministry. Uh, When my son Chris was growing up in junior high and high school, I would chaperone the youth mission trips to Quoket, Minnesota, and then to Red Lake, uh, Ontario in Canada. And we would do servant projects and run vacation Bible schools in those locations. And one day we were headed back to Sheboygan in our little BW Beetle, and Christopher and his friend said, you know, We're going all these places and helping all of these other people. Why aren't we doing something right here in our own hometown? And it was like, wow, from the mouth of babes. And so that was what got um, the motivation going for the Buckets of Love program. That same group of young people from church decided that they would want to help others in need here in Sheboygan. So I met with the executive director of our local domestic abuse shelter, and the shelter was in need of a refurbishing. It had been there for several years. The paint was dull. Uh, things were getting worn out. And so what the youth and I and some other adults from church did is we took on a three-story domestic abuse shelter, and we completely refurbished it and redecorated it from top to bottom. Uh, one of the things that we did, for example, was we had a program at a church, and it was called "Buy the Yard. You know, when you buy carpeting, it's by the yard. But ours was BUY, the yard, and families who maybe couldn't afford to donate a lot of financial assistance could perhaps buy enough for a yard of carpeting. And so we did everything, including carpeting, painting, we sewed all new curtains. Uh, It was just a real labor of love. That program made it into our local newspaper, and we received a call from yet another shelter, this one that was home to single women who had children, that was called Bridgeway. And they asked if we would be willing to take on another project, which we did. And that one, they wanted us to come and just refurbish the basement of their shelter, which was used for clothing for the moms. Well, uh, a team went in and we looked over the situation and we said, well, how about if we would do something that would be even more special? This would be good, but let's do something even more special. And so we met with their board of directors and proposed a program that was called Working Women's Wear. And that program developed eventually into a program that served women from throughout the county with clothing for interview and work clothing. And so not only did it provide just clothing, but it was specialized clothing for a specialized cause to help women improve their quality of life.
0: In both of those endeavors, where might the kingdom connection have been? There's the, the temporal realm in which we serve, but mm-hmm. the ability to share God's grace. Was there any kind of intentionality of connecting those two?
1: Yes, I, everything that I do in life is, is connecting those two. Um, I believe that God put me here on this, on this earth to be his servant, and I am so happy when I am doing his work. Um, I'll give you just a couple of examples. Um, when we were doing the domestic abuse shelter, uh, one of the women, one of the mothers came up to me and said, you know, why are you so happy all the time? Why are you smiling? Why are you doing this? And so I was able to share uh, the gospel with her and invited her and her daughters to come to church, uh, which they did. And actually, um, the mom and the little girls eventually ended up being baptized. And then the same thing happens, um, I didn't mention my other program, Working Women's Wear, the, the clothing program, lasted for about seven years. Uh, then I uh, started a new program once I retired called Made New Again. And when I started this program, I realized that it wasn't only women that needed help, but men also. So Made New Again is a program that does the same thing with interview and work clothing, but for men and women. And the same thing uh, comes up there too, Tina, where people will ask, you know, why are you doing this? What motivates you? So you're able to minister in that way through word. But I think an even as important way is through just the service to others. Um, you know how God told us in Matthew about, you know, I was, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I really feel like that's one of the reasons I was put here in this place at this time. My dressing room in my new program, which by the way is located in our Salvation Army homeless shelter, they donated a space, no rent, completely free. I mean, how does that happen? Um, but I have a beautiful area in the homeless shelter with a consult room and a dressing room. And in that dressing room, I have just a very, um, it's very humbly decorated, but I do have the verse from Jeremiah that says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And with that program and with the other program that we're going to talk about today, Kaleidoscope Art, that's what I feel God is having me do. I'm a dispenser of hope.
0: (laughs) I love that. And being able to communicate in a way that opens the door for questions where the sharing of the gospel doesn't make anybody a project, but it's really in the context of relationship, a a very natural and organic conversation that takes place because of what people are seeing.
1: I agree with that. I think it's very much the sense that people have that you genuinely care about them as a person. They are not projects um and i think one of the blessings that i have received in working at the homeless shelter is getting to know all of the individuals there on a very personal level and to be able to debunk all of the generalities about homelessness you know that are out there in the world mm-hmm. people are there for so many different reasons and just to know them as a person to understand their background and when they sense that you too may have had some suffering in your life and that you too are are willing to see them as a person. In fact, I've had people say that, thank you for treating me like a person. You know, there's, there's something that's so very special about that. And there's no doubt that that is God's work in action.
0: Absolutely. How did your passion for serving people in this way develop for you?
1: It's a, I think, a very long chain of different links. But if I, if I honestly look back, Tina, um, I would have to give much of the credit to my sister. Uh, her name was Sandy, and she's um, deceased. She went to heaven in 1993, but she was born with a, a disease called neurofibromatosis, and um, she had to undergo numerous, numerous surgeries in her short life. And just watching what she had to go through. Um, the the disease causes tumors on your brain and your central nervous system. And, uh, she spent the last seven years of her life totally paralyzed on a respirator. Our family cared for her at home and, um, she needed, you know, to be fed and things. But, you know, God is so gracious. He, um, allowed her to keep her mind and her beautiful sense of humor. And those last seven years were actually a very precious time for our family. Hmm. So I think um, experiencing, you know, that kind of of suffering, I, I really felt that that was a motivator for my original choice of my profession. I worked for many years as a registered occupational therapist, and that was my motivation for going into that medical field was to help others in return for, you know, those who had helped my sister. So I, I just think that God uses all of the pieces from our past and puts them together in just the most remarkable ways that we sometimes can't even see it coming. It just brings to mind just now, I just had a glimpse of another time, uh, a couple of times my life is, is pretty much crumbled, but God has been there and has faithfully rebuilt and restored me. Um, but one of the times that it crumbled, I was back in Sheboygan and I had taken a job in a women's clothing boutique. I loved it. One day I was sitting there and, and thinking, boy, I wonder why is a registered occupational therapist sitting here working in a women's clothing boutique? And then <laughs> a few years down the road came working women's wear, where I was helping women, you know, put together these outfits that look very, very polished, very professional. That's a skill that I didn't have before my life crumbled. Um, and now with this new program, Made New Again, which is now about three and a half years old, um, continues on. And I can see how God was using all of those things to work for the good. You know, using the therapy skills, I had worked uh, in physical rehab and behavioral health, drug and alcohol abuse. Um, and so using all of those people kind of skills, along with the the clothing, uh, fabric kind of things, um, how he could just put those pieces together and create something that really has an impact in what is now over 300 uh, clients' lives that we've had just in this new program?
0: I really hold a belief that often the best ministry comes out of our own hardships in whatever way that plays out in our lives. And mm-hmm. as we lean into that and see how God has transformed it or worked in us through it, where we've experienced our own very tangible sense of God's grace and maybe healing through that, how that perfectly equips us to now be with other people who may be experiencing hardships or something similar. It's almost uh, a way of working through our weaknesses rather than working through our strengths to see how God takes those places of brokenness and weakness and transforms that into strengths for His purposes.
1: I agree. I agree. And, And not only does He restore us... Um, thus the name of my, my new program that was one of the things that I was led to was made new again because God makes all things new again. Uh, and he has that ability. And not only will he make us new again, but then he will use us to help others. And it's a, just amazing how he works.
0: Absolutely. What are you learning about God in the process?
1: Oh, my so many things. I, I think every day is a revelation. First of all, the, the fact that I absolutely positively know that he is with us every single moment. And if you take the time to look, I promise that you will see him every single day in your life at work in some way. So that's, that's something that I've seen. Another thing is how abundantly he blesses us. Um, He has provided not only for my son and I through the years since my husband died. My husband died when my son was in first grade. God has just provided for us so abundantly. But he he continues that with the ministries that he develops also. Uh, For example, um, the Made New Again program. When I started at Tina, I didn't even have a business. Um, It's the funniest thing uh, in some ways. I was moved to make a business card and God gave me the name Made New Again. And so I thought, well, this is, I don't know, I don't have, there's no business, there's no inventory there, there isn't anything. (laughs) And yet I I went on and I ordered, I went online and I ordered my business cards for Made New Again and I gave myself um, the title of program director, doesn't that sound impressive? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so made the business card uh, with no business and then decided, okay, well, how are we going to do this? And I had been getting some phone calls since the last program had had closed down. People were still in need of clothing for, for job interviews. So when I would get one of those random calls, I would just say, well, meet me at the local thrift store and I would purchase whatever it was they needed to go to their job interview. So when I first started out, I started out running the program that way. That was my My uh, initial business plan, if you could even call it that, where I would just meet clients at local thrift stores, the ones that were closest to where they were were able to get to on public transportation. Mm -hmm. Then I started saving up my supplies. I bought a, a clothing rack and put it in my second bedroom, and I started buying clothing from thrift stores uh, and I started just storing there, and pretty soon the racks were multiplying, and they were coming out the hallway into my living room, and I thought, <laughs> I have to get a handle on this. There's there's something that I'm going to have to do differently here. And were and so you meeting then,
0: with clients also at that time?
1: I was meeting with clients, but still at the thrift store. And, you know, the thing about living in a small community is they didn't mind if, you know, if I already had a pair of dress trousers for a man, I would bring those in and say, I'm bringing these in. We're going to need to find some clothes to go with this. And they were fine with it. So I would bring what I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I was moved to um, ask the, the captain at the local Salvation Army if he might have a little extra storage space because my apartment was now like a department clothing store. <laughs> and it was so interesting how it worked because um, about 65% of my Made new Again clients come from the Salvation Army homeless shelter in town. So what I would do for those people is I would take clothes from my my apartment and load them up in my car. I'd drive over to the shelter, and then they have a community shower room for people who come in just off the street but don't reside in the shelter. Mm-hmm. And so they were kind enough to let me use that community shower room. So the shower curtain rod became my display rack, and I would hang the clothes on a shower curtain rod. And when people were trying on shoes, they actually would sit on the toilet to try on their shoes. But, you know, it worked. And we saw, you know, many people using that very humble, simple system until it started getting so busy that I was getting exhausted hauling clothes back and forth.
0: You had proof of concept.
1: That's right. Like I said, I really spent a a great deal of time. I'm saying that, you know, um, tongue in cheek, I really had no business plan. It was simply, you know, following the spirits leading. And this is how I was led. So um, met again with the wonderful captain here and said, you know, the program is really growing. And he said, well, you know, it's amazing how this is working, because God has been telling me, meaning him, that um, he's leading me to develop a wellness center here at the Salvation Army. They had an old medical, medical clinic that had shut down, and so there was a whole wing of the shelter that was not being used for about a year. And he said, I think your program could fit really well into this wellness center. So I was the very first occupant in their brand-new Salvation Army Wellness Center, and they gave me free space. They weren't charging me any rent, no utilities, no insurance. I mean, this is how God provides Tina. And so I moved my program then from my second bedroom. I moved all the inventory and everything over there and started uh servicing people there. And as I mentioned just a little while ago, we are now, I think it was last week we served our 300th client. It's just booming. September was my busiest month ever and the program just continues to grow.
0: That is so cool. What I'm taking from this is those small steps of faithfulness saying this is what I'd like to do, and really starting with nothing, but having an intention to serve people, and then working in a way that you could, just meeting people at the local thrift stores, just how one step led to another that now is blossoming. I'm also wondering, I want to circle back to, because where we started on this thread was what you've learned about God in the journey, and As I listen to so many people, ministries come out of the heart and come out of a relationship with God. And I'm wondering if you could also talk about the ways that you come to your relationship with God and how you cultivate that relationship.
1: One of the strongest things in the development of that relationship for me personally has been Bible study. When my husband and I were first married and moved to Sheboygan, we joined a a local church. And that was the first time that I really was actively involved in Bible study. And that has been uh, probably the the strongest influence as far as strengthening my relationship with Jesus. Um, I just absolutely love to study the Bible. Um, I love to listen to Christian radio I love to hear pastors who give what I call "aha" sermons, where you know all of a sudden there's something, and you're like, "Aha! I never thought of that before." An example of that, I my little country church that I I've gone back now to a little country church because it reminds me so much of my my home church in Hubbleton. Uh, but I remember uh, a pastor there talking about Jesus, you know, being born in a manger, which was a feeding place for for the animals, and I thought, well. That makes so much sense. And what he was saying was, you know, that Jesus is the bread of life and he was born in a manger. And it was like, aha, I never really thought of that before. But uh, any kind of a sermon that, that just is an aha moment for me, I just absolutely love it. It gives me goosebumps.
0: There's nothing like the Word of God that helps to reveal the character, the nature of God and, and how Jesus exemplified that as he walked this earth. I don't know, it helps me say, how do I need to be not from a legalistic perspective, but from a grace perspective as I bring myself to whatever work that I do that reveals Mm -hmm. God and layer upon layer of how it unfolds. And just like the nugget you described about Jesus being born in a manger and then making that connection to I am the bread of life. The connections we make that say, Oh, I can connect the dots for someone to help them see God or develop their relationship with God a little bit deeper, just as we learn ourselves more and more about God.
1: That is Um, so true.
0: You've also talked about, you mentioned Kaleidoscope Art. Kaleidoscope Art is another
1: program that uh, has started about the same time as Made New again. It's three and a half years old. It is a community art outreach initiative. And it's under the umbrella of a local organization here called Sheboygan Visual Artists. The, the history behind that also links to the experiences that I've had working at the homeless shelter. And that's the amazing part, again, about how God puts all these pieces together into this beautiful puzzle that you would think, well, how can those possibly connect? But they do. And the story behind Kaleidoscope Art is that my son Chris had a, a dear friend in high school who had grown up in inner city Milwaukee, uh, had grown up in poverty, and her dream was to begin some sort of an art program for underserved children. Well, in the same time frame that she was kind of praying and thinking about that, my mother and I were working at the Salvation Army shelter making supper, we still do this every Monday night, uh, making supper for all the people that live there. And I was sitting at a dinner table one evening with a family with young children, and this little girl was about four or five years old. And during our, our dinner conversation, she looked at her mom and said, Mommy, why do we have to live in a place where people watch us sleep? And it just hit my heart. And uh, because of my background as a, a registered occupational therapist and working in behavioral health and things, I thought, oh, my goodness, the, the emotions, the thoughts, the feelings that must be going through this little girl's mind. And so I was talking to my son's friend about this experience and with her wanting to start something for underserved children, the idea of Kaleidoscope came to be. And so we decided that we would start an art program for children who were living in shelters or receiving services from shelters. And so we started with one program. And like I said, that was about three and a half years ago. We started working with one of the shelters here in town called Bridgeway we started by doing Saturday morning art workshops there at the shelter. Then the Salvation Army somehow learned about our program, and so they asked that we would come and and do a program with them, which we now have going, and that's with their youth program. So that was program number two. Uh, After that, the local domestic abuse shelter heard about our program, and they asked that we could do something with the children who were uh, whose mothers were receiving counseling services there. So while the mothers are in counseling, we do art workshops with the children. And then the uh, the, the uh, domestic abuse shelters said, well, we have another group that we think would really benefit, and that was a group of Hmong women and their children. So that was our our next group down the road. That was program number four, and then this past year, program number five started in February, and that is serving children from the Sheboygan County foster care system. Wow! And now I'm happy to say that we are just in the organizing step of, of developing a programs number six and seven, which are uh, with a local program that deals with at-risk teenage girls. So once again, God's abundance is just Amazingly, appearing before our very eyes, where we started with one program and we're now developing number six and seven.
0: Hmm. Wow. And how are both of these programs made new again and kaleidoscope art? How are they staffed? Are they volunteer efforts? Are they? Do you have some staff efforts? What does that look like?
1: Okay, uh, they're all one hundred percent volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as far as the the made new again. Basically, uh, as far as the, the um, client consultations, the the purchasing um, alterations, that kind of thing, that would be me. I, I still kind of doing most of all of that. However, I have to say that I could not do this program without um, my son uh, and other friends who have donated financially. Um, without the Salvation Army providing the space free of charge, without people throughout the community coming and donating their clothing. So it really is a community program. It's a community initiative, but it's 100% volunteer. The same thing with Kaleidoscope Art. I believe we have about five or six artists who volunteer their time. We are 100% volunteer. There's absolutely no paid staff in either of the programs. Now the Kaleidoscope, art. this again is another testimony to God's abundance. Um, We started the program under the umbrella of a local visual artist group who graciously gave us like $250 to start this program. And we thought, well, okay, how are we going to keep it going? So they helped us to apply for a grant. It's called the SPARC grant here in the state of Wisconsin. And it's a an initiative that provides grants to organizations who are creating programs to spark some development within their community. We were only three months old when we applied for this, so I thought, well, what are the chances? But wouldn't you know, we were one of the three organizations organizations chosen from the state of Wisconsin to receive that grant. So um, that money ran out last year, and people are like, well what are we going to do? Aren't you worried? And I'm like, no, I'm not not really worried. I know that God's going to provide somehow. And so we uh, applied for another grant and we received that grant and we're good to go for another year. So it's um, that book, you know, just enough light for the step you're on. It's kind of that process mm-hmm. where you don't worry about, you know, two years down the road. You know, I try not to even worry about a year down the road or a half year down the road. You just do what you have in your square on your calendar today know that God's got it covered and that he's going to keep covering those squares as you step forward.
0: Oh, yeah. So, I'm thinking about the people that you serve through through both of these programs with Made New Again and Kaleidoscope Art. What have you learned about the people that you're serving? So many things, Tina.
1: First of all, how much love there is out in the world. Um, for example, if I am helping perhaps a gentleman with clothing to go to work in a factory at the homeless shelter. The next time he sees me pull up in the parking lot with my car full of a bag, garbage bags of donations, you know, he's at my door of my car saying, can I help you pull that into the shelter? Can, where would you like it? So um, people genuinely want to be helpful. People genuinely love each other. Um, I see the love so often with the children that I work with. I just this week went to the Salvation Army for the first time for this, this season. And when the children came in, several of them came running up and, you know, hugging my knees or when I go to a homeless shelter, one of the other programs, um, one of the little girls who can hardly speak, but she can say paint and she'll, she'll see me coming in the door and she'll go, paint, 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 and hug my knees. Um, just that there's so much love in the world. And it would be so wonderful if we could focus on that um, as much as we do sometimes the other things that are, are not so loving going on in the world. I think people are extremely resourceful. I, I recall uh, one man that I worked with, He had called me from the public library. He had no phone, so he went to the library and had a librarian call my program. He needed clothes for an interview that afternoon. He had been living on a bicycle, so we met and and got him set for his, his interview. And he was not afraid to ride his bike miles and miles to get to this interview. I remember one young man coming in for a consult for clothing who had a bungee cord. His belt. People are just resourceful. They learn to work with what they have. I learned that people are very, very grateful. Uh, It's the most wonderful feeling to be out in the community. Just last weekend, I was in a deli. It wasn't the person that waited on me, but another clerk behind the counter, and she was a former client. And this was a year ago, and she's still at that job. And I see that happen all the time throughout the community. God will give me little glimpses of people that have come through the programs. And it's just the most wonderful thing. It gives me goosebumps to know that he used me in some way to help someone else's life be better.
0: It is so true. Sometimes you find what you're looking for. I I call it turning on the radar. You know, when we turn on that radar and say, where am I seeing love? And where am I seeing resourcefulness? You you start to see it everywhere and in sometimes unlikely ways. But then you recognize, oh, there it is. Um sometimes the the talent that you uncover in people who've just been beaten down or discouraged when we provide an opportunity, how it just allows that to blossom
1: I think that is so true, and one particular individual comes to mind at the homeless shelter, and again those those uh, generalities that people have, those stereotypes that people have in their minds of you know people experiencing homelessness. this particular gentleman was like the head chef of the restaurants in a very prominent chain of hotels across our country. And because of, of different circumstances, you know, he ended up as as a homeless individual. We just we just don't know the story behind people's faces. And I think one of the gifts that I have received uh, in doing the work that God's given me to do is that I can learn those stories behind the faces. And um, what an honor that is, you know, to, to really know people.
0: Mm-hmm. And appreciating the paths that they've been on, the hardships sometimes that get thrown people's way that they don't always even bring upon themselves. And to be able to be that voice of encouragement and voice of care in the midst of it all is really a blessing and a privilege.
1: It is a privilege.
0: I'm wondering what are some of the things you've learned about yourself, particularly as you have initiated a variety of efforts and leading them.
1: One of the things is that it's best to go with God's timing and God's plans. Um, I have a tendency to be a perfectionist, and that isn't always a good thing. And so I think one of the things I've learned is that it's okay for things not to be maybe done immediately or perfectly. The important thing is that it's getting done in a way that's going to make a difference in someone's life. So everything doesn't have to be perfect. And that's such a relief, Tina. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just such a relief. It sure um, is. <laughs> it's like, whew, pressure's off on that one. Um, so that's one of the things I've learned about myself. I guess the other thing is that I've learned um, to really just appreciate, and it sounds, I know, a little corny, but to really appreciate just the simple things in life, you know, how precious family is to me. Uh, how precious family time is to me, how precious uh, my time with my clients is to me. Um, So I'm just so grateful for just little simple things uh, in life. And I've moved from a big house to a, a littler apartment and that that's okay. Um, so I think those are some of the things that God is showing me is that if I just let him be in control, if I don't have to try to control everything, that things will fall into place. And I'm very, very grateful that he is the one that's in charge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) In these different efforts and interactions that that you and others have serving people, how has that opened up someone's receptiveness to God? Maybe... Any stories about somebody's movement into a relationship or into a deeper relationship with God, just as a result of all these interactions?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it happens. It happens. I, I would say on a, a fairly regular basis. However, the nature of my program, for example, with Made New Again, is that I don't have a long-lasting relationship with people. I always consider myself just a, a link in God's chain of help for people. But oftentimes, people will share their stories, like uh, I had a, a mother come in recently who needed clothing for her daughter who was in junior high, and my program is is intended, the target population is generally people who are going for interviews or work, but if we think about life in a, a, a large scope, you know, being a student is very much work. It, it is a, a, pers- a young person's job, and so I said, by all means, bring her on in. And the mom shared with me um, that you know she had not she doesn't eat sometimes so that her child can eat, and how you know school was starting, and she had no money for clothing for the child and and she said, and I know that I knew that God was going to take care of us somehow, and I hear that often from people where I knew God was going to take care of us somehow, they just weren't sure about the how, and then I have the honor of being the one who somehow is used to help them, so I think a lot of times my programs are confirmation of God's caring love for for everybody. And so I see it in that respect. I also see it as kind of servant evangelism um, for those who might not know him. As I mentioned earlier, sometimes you just do what God has asked you to do. And then sometimes people will ask, why are you doing this? Why are you even helping me. I can't pay you anything. Um, and for you to then be able to just say, you know, it's because God loves you and, and he wants you to be taken care of. I, I don't have any long, long-term stories in that particular instance, but I do know that it, it is a way of evangelizing to people and I know that it's working.
0: And what I hear is just such a natural, organic interaction to where it's confirmation for somebody else through the provision that you're able to provide in the way that God's provided for you. I often tell people it's a sense of flow that Mm -hmm. God's provision comes in all kinds of ways and God's grace comes in all kinds of ways. And even the provisions for the things that you're doing coming through with Kaleidoscope Art, a group of visual artists The cyclic way of the way things get put together, it's not always a straight linear pathway and yet is a testimony to what God can do when we say yes to what he calls us to do.
1: That is so true.
0: One of my intentions with this podcast is to provide encouragement to someone who's feeling a nudge from God and maybe feeling timid about that. What encouragement might might you give them?
1: Well, there's... A couple of things. Um, first of all, to know that it it really isn't about us, that takes the pressure off right there. That God has a plan and He'll have that plan work. Uh, you just trust in Him and He will give you the steps and He'll show you how it's going to go. Um, so the first thing I would say is that you know I think God puts us in places where He has work to be done, and so if we are the person that's going to be doing that work, He will provide us with Absolutely everything, and then even more than you could possibly imagine to accomplish his goals and that's the important thing to always remember is it's his work it's his goals we're the we're the servants um, that are are blessed and honored to be carrying out that work and then just to always remember that God knows what he's doing, even when we don't, you know, that's, that's a, a such a reassurance to me is, you know, things can be completely falling apart, but God knows, um, God knows what he's doing. And, and so he's in charge.
0: Just do it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I came across a verse in Deuteronomy 29. was talking about the word and and Moses' wisdom to the Israelites to stay close. And it said, the word is in your heart, it is in your mouth. Essentially, it says, now do it. The question that came to me as I read, now do it, I thought, I wonder if those words are the same in other translations I was reading in the New King James at the time. And so Mm -hmm. I went to several translations and lo and behold, it says, Now, do it or that you may do it. I went to the Hebrew dictionary and looked up that particular word, and essentially it says embody the word. Judy, as I listen to you and everything we've talked about today, you are somebody that just embodies the word. And to hear how Bible study and time in the word is one of the things that you pointed to as an important way that you cultivate your relationship with God, and how that has just really sunk into your whole being uh, and the way it comes out and how you treat people and how they perceive you is to me just a testimony of that verse. So thank you for being you and faithful to what God's called you to.
1: Well, thank you for those kind words. And I just give all the glory to God. I'm just a servant.
0: Amen. Well, I want to... Thank you for joining me today. I'm so glad that God connected our paths those many years ago and uh, to be able to catch up with you now and hear what you're doing and hear how the ministry that came out of the mouths of babes in some ways, you know, as young students who said, why can't we do something in our hometown, how that's blossomed into the ministry that God's provided for you to carry out today. It's
1: just been wonderful visiting with you. So God bless you
0: and your ministry. Thank you so much. I sure hope you found this conversation as inspiring as I did. The words I'm taking to heart, it's best to go with God's timing and God's plans. It takes the pressure off of us. I am learning this in so many ways. How about you? Judy talked about her son and his friends wondering what they could do to serve the people in their own hometown. Here we are with the first episode of 2019. So as we start the year, would you take a fresh look at your community through God's eyes and ask, where might people in my community need encouragement and caring help? Are you seeing a gap where God might be asking you to be his hands and feet for someone? Judy talked about the way her previous experiences shaped her for what she's doing now. God is shaping you too. How might he be calling you to be a blessing in someone else's life? Come on over to the Faithful Innovation page on Facebook or Instagram, share your thoughts, and find some encouragement. And I have a favor to ask. If you're enjoying these conversations, I'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes. Hearing other people's stories has a way of encouraging our own walk of faith. Taking just a minute to leave a review will help other people find us. Now make it a great day and find your unique way to share the love of God with the people you encounter. Bye for now.